Are you ready? Hey everybody! Hey folks! Hello everybody! People in the back! Welcome everybody! Welcome to the inner loop! Welcome everybody! Welcome to the inner loop! Without further ado! Without further ado! Okay, so without further ado, we're gonna get started. We should get started. We're yeah. Rolling. I'm rolling. We're, we're, we're gonna get started. <laughs> Welcome to the Inner Loop Radio. I'm Rachel Kuntz. And I'm Courtney Sexton. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you stream from. The Inner Loop Radio is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and many other streaming sites. If there's somewhere you'd like to hear the Inner Loop Radio where it isn't currently available, shoot us an email at theinnerlooplit at gmail.com. On today's episode, we have an exciting hour of local literature planned for you. But first, for those of you who don't know, The Inner Loop is a literary reading series for writers in the D.C. area to come and read their own work each month. Writers' experience varies from the absolute beginner to Pulitzer Prize winners, and they range in genre from poetry to fiction to nonfiction. And on The Inner Loop Radio, we like to give our listeners a sampling of some of those authors who read at our events, as well as going further in depth on the writing experience and discussing relevant topics to the writing life. It's September, summer is waning, autumn is on the horizon, and when the air turns cold and the days get shorter, we tend to turn inward, start the process of hunkering down for the winter, and we focus our minds once again on what drives us. Decorative chord season, that's what drives you. That's what drives you? Whether that be decorative gourds or for writers, um, it means rekindling that inspiration flame. So on today's show, we want to help you turn back toward writing and talk about good writing habits, how to regain focus and get the inspiration going. Courtney, tell us about your writing habits. Great. Just (laughs) just throw me right in there. Um, Yeah. So for those of us who didn't get to uh, do a summer residency this summer and be uber productive, this is definitely that time of year where you feel the crunch of, ah, I need to be productive. Um, And Courtney just went back to school. We were saying this is apropos of back to school season. (laughs) Courtney's back to school. True. So do you balance writing with your schoolwork and regular work and just generally moving and shaking around town? You know, my... um, my personal creative writing life has taken a bit of a back burner mm. um, in the past year or so, I would say, for a variety of reasons. Um, but I'm always writing. So be it for work work, I do a lot of communications work um, and freelance pieces um, or you know, research writing, which is a totally different thing, and grant writing and proposal writing. <laughs> um, but you also do, like, a lot of nature writing, and you do, do. Um, collaborative stuff. I You're do. always out there meeting other artists. So I think some of my habit, because I know that it's not, you know, at the forefront of my active writing life right now, I do try to keep those muscles flexed because you lose, you know, mm-hmm. you lose. Totally. Um, and so a couple of things that I do, I always, I always carry a journal around. Um, and that's something that's great. 
that even if I sit there and write, you know, two lines in it, sometimes rereading what I've written over the past couple of years mm-hmm. even serves to jog some things for me and and to remind me to be awake and aware and look around and think about. Totally. And I feel like there's something inspiring about a physical notebook. Mm-hmm. I've gotten very lazy and I only carry my phone around. And when I have a good idea, I open notes in my phone, which can be useful if you don't have a notebook sure. on you. But... I kind of miss the physical presence of a notebook because just it being there with blank pages, it's calling to you. Absolutely. And the physical act of writing, I always write by hand and I know a lot of writers do. I talk to writers and they say, I always write by hand. Um, I don't always write by hand, but I take it back. I sometimes will open an empty word document and get going that way. Sure, sure, sure. But writing by hand, there's something just satisfying about the physical act and it's sort of motivating in and of itself it's sort of like uh you know a avalanche or a boulder rolling down a hill and gaining speed and gaining speed like the physical act of writing words down absolutely and there's i mean there's a lot going on in our brains <laughs> that that tells us that that's that is, true you know, there are all these studies that say your brain works differently if you're writing absolutely even when you're learning something if you're writing it down you're committing it to memory mm-hmm. in a different way um totally i think in the with, within the process says, you know, if I sit down to write a blog post for a a job, for a work piece, you know, I bang that out on the computer. I'm like, okay, I know what this is going to look like. There's a format for it. Fine. But if I'm trying to do something that's more creative, um, that requires the rumination, Mm. having that paper and pen in front of you and even just holding the pen and looking down, it like it makes your mind start turning in different ways, I find. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so that's one one thing that I do try to do, even if I'm not constantly actively writing. I keep that notebook on me. Um, and I write in a journal, or at least I used to before I had the baby. I wrote, <laughs> <laughs> I wrote um, not every day, but, mm-hmm. you know, whenever the mood, mood struck me, I wake up in the morning, I have a cup of coffee, I pull out my journal. Sure. Um, and that was always the precursor to real writing. Yep. Because it felt to me sort of like a cleaning out. Shake everything out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Get Clean the up dust. the dust. Yes. <laughs> yes. Dust out those corners. Yep. And I think that, you Stretch know. Stretch a little. <laughs> <laughs> Stretch those writing legs. Yeah. Um, I think not only does it sort of empty your mind of the clutter that's mm-hmm. been filling it of all your daily activities, all the things going on in your life, but also it's writing. And so your mind goes there and starts thinking of words. It starts putting those sentences together, drawing on your vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And it really is like uh, stretching your Mm -hmm. writing legs. Um, And then when you go to onto the creative thing, you're already all warmed up. Sort of like a marathon runner just doing a little run before he goes to the marathon. Absolutely. And that's something, you know, like tidbits are great. But I will say giving yourself the time to, um, you know, giving yourself a chunk of time to sit with something. Mm. Like, I love writing when I'm on the bus because I'm going to be like, hey, yeah. I have 45 minutes here and I'm stuck here and I'm not going to be distracted by anything else. Um, that I think Which is, is so hard these days. Exactly. So I think that's a good habit, finding that physical space, not only the mental space, where you can you can kind of lose some of the distractions. Totally. And I think 
for me, I mean, I you add I, one of the one of the most common questions for like famous writers or writers that you admire is like, when do you write? Mm-hmm. Um, I write in the morning because, or first thing in the morning is when I feel that I'm the most productive and the most creative, mm-hmm. actually, um, because it's like when your mind is still between like that sleep dream. and wake, yeah. and your subconscious and unconscious was just alive. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were sleeping and it was working out all the things and your subconscious is very creative okay <laughs> it does some crazy like That's free true. associations <laughs> it connect you know dreams are wild yes. so you know your subconscious is a is a great um you know um well of creativity it so is. <laughs> you, i don't know if you want to dive into mine yeah, dreams. <laughs> oh, we should do a whole episode on dreams we should. um <laughs> But yeah, your mind is still halfway between like the active, you know, um, right brain, putting all the right. things together, um, organizing things into your into categories that your mind automatically does, and the free association that that subconscious does. So for me, the morning is like mm-hmm. the that's when I write the most surprising sentences. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I think probably I I am a night person just that's who I am Mm -hmm. I don't prefer that per se because I do find that the times when I'm up and awake and because I think it it definitely has something to do with the circadian rhythm also Mm. of being there in the morning you're like okay it is time to to produce it is time to be alive here um the things that I write in the morning I I am happier with or or I'm able to draw more from but I think I spend a lot of time at night and in the wee hours <laughs> of the morning um, getting getting things down. Mm. Um, and then I'll often revisit them and be like, this is junk. But, <laughs> but at least it's, it's there. At least it's there. It exists. Yeah. yeah. I think that's why so many writers... Um, when when you do decide to hunker down and and get back into good writing habits, they set their side of ti- um, sorry set their time aside in the morning. Yes. So you know, fine. I'm gonna set my alarm at six a.m. and I'm gonna get my ass up and I'm going to write for two hours before I have to take a shower and then go to work. Well, and I think too that helps to you know you're doing it fresh before the pressures of the day way on you mm-hmm. and things start building and let me up. tell you something about the pressures of the day <laughs> when i go to write <laughs> well it's sort of my perspective is sort of out of proportion now because i'm juggling a million things with the new baby and everything but when i go to write like you know like all writers you procrastinate right. as much as possible so that's when you get the most done yes like the, the, the classic <laughs> joke is you know you can call a writer and they're always up for like anything you need to do you need to move a couch you need to like a ride to the bank uh-huh. 100%. The writer is like on board just to get out of writing, right? Um, so I will, you know, pay my bills, go yeah. through oh, my yes. email. Um, you All know. those tasks that allow you to check a box. Totally. So that you feel like you did something. Love going through my to-do list. <laughs> yeah. um, but first thing in the morning, 6 a.m., I'm like so not in the mood for those things, you mm. know? I'm, again, like just sort of drowsy enough to just be like, no, no, no. And so I can leave all of the tabs closed on Safari or Firefox or whatever (laughs) and not even open the browser and just go straight to Word or pull out the notebook um, and really focus on writing. So writing habits. But what about getting the inspiration going? Oh, man. Um, I know you have lots of good ideas for this. Oh, God. 
Oh, do I? <laughs> well, one for me is reading. Okay. Yes, do yes. You, totally. So I feel like as a writer, sometimes you forget, especially like for us, we've been a, we've been so going doing so many things. We the inner loop became a nonprofit Yay, last week. Yeah, it did. Um, you know, Courtney's back to school. I had a baby. All of the things. You know, so we've been. Um, you know, a little bit rusty. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, but, and I think that when you have all those things on your plate, you're not exactly like sitting down with a big, like a Russian novel. No. (laughs) My pipe and leather chair, like just kind of, you know, a little snifter of brandy. It's not happening. (laughs) Totally my fantasy of retirement, by the way. Anyway. um, So I think you sort of underestimate, forget slash forget how inspiring reading is. You like, and for me it's ridiculous it's almost comical it should be like in a movie but um i can't write i can't write i can't write i pick up a book and read like two pages and i'm like ah, i can write i could do that yes. <laughs> which is so terrible i'm like except i'm not doing it so yeah. so then i set the book down and start writing i don't even get through the stupid book but that's fine so reading i think don't underestimate reading absolutely you're right um you know another thing i like to do i, I mentioned getting into a space um, to write, I something I used to do a lot and, and, and would like to get back in the habit of doing is to, you know, here in D.C. we have museums and galleries and so many other kind of artistic creative spaces that one can access for free. Um, mm-hmm. I love to find, you know, a gallery in, in say, um, the East Wing of, of the National Gallery or in the Portrait Gallery and just sit in the room and be with those other works of art and let them speak to you mm. and kind of see what that, what stories you start to tell from those other works of art. And then it, it morphs and translates and transmutes and, and it of course, often yeah. turns into something that's not at all related to what it originally was. But Yeah, um, and I feel like when you're around art, you're feeling art. I mean, it's one of the reasons why we do the ser- the reading series. Mm-hmm. When you're experiencing art, it, you know, engenders art. It creates yes. art out of art. More art. Art, art, art. Art, <laughs> art, 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 art. <laughs> okay, so brass tacks, okay? Our listeners are like, fine, all well and good. Well, yeah. What are some, like, exercises we can do to, you know, dust off the corners, like, other than writing in the journal? That's one. Right. Um, not just, like, inspiration, but, how, like, what are some writing... You know, like when we were in our MFA program, for example, and our professors dole out these exercises. What are some good exercises that you found were particularly inspiring or useful? Um, One of my favorites is the ordinary object. Mm, Tell me. Um, So going about your day look at so it makes you look at something in a different way right so oh the blender that's sitting in my, my you know my housemate's mm. KitchenAid mixer is mm. sitting on the counter all of the time <laughs> and I'm like what's the <laughs> point of these things like what are you baking that much why does everyone have to don't have a KitchenAid like I don't <laughs> oh, know it's the, <laughs> you know, it's the big like you know. <laughs> I'm making challah <laughs> exactly but um you know something like that try to look at it in a different light like imagine a different story for that mm, ordinary like object like and this. it can be short you know yeah. like a couple, like 200 words even but yeah. just like give that object a personality or a backstory that mm-hmm. is is totally made up yeah um that's one that i love and then on the flip side of that the um 
the out of the ordinary object. Mm-hmm. So as you're going through the day, something that stuck out to you, um, why did it stick out? You know, like, uh, I, I think one time I, for some reason, a, um, it was a, a raccoon, like a roadkill raccoon. It just like, <laughs> I was, it was a roadkill. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was horrible. Oh, um, but we pass by that so frequently. Yeah, right? we, it's, but for it's s- affecting to me every time. Yes. It's very affecting. And I was sitting in traffic, which is a normal thing. Mm. Um, but just had this really intense moment with this dead, like raccoon, raccoon or skunk or something that was on the side of the road. And, um, a raccoon, by the way, is me and Skinny's uh, spirit animal. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Um, oh, God. No, it's okay. And so I ended up writing a piece about that. Hmm. And, um, Interesting. Yeah, so, but just trying to be Those aware of what you're noticing. You, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well. Sorry. Those Sorry what? No, that's perfect. For rambling. No, those are perfect. I have an exercise in mind, but I'm not telling you until the next block because up next. Oh, God. She told me she had a surprise <laughs> for me today. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Uh, Courtney and I are going to do an exercise. Oh, yeah, we're going to we're gonna dust off those corners Great. and get those rusty wheels moving. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do it live-ish on the podcast. Oh, man. Stay tuned. Continuing our show on good writing habits and how to get inspired, Courtney and I are going to do an exercise right here, live on the show. Apparently we are. (laughs) We talked about how doing a writing exercise can help jumpstart inspiration. So... We're going to demonstrate. Oh, God. How, how, is, how, is, how is this, <laughs> this going to work? Um, no, the listeners are not going to sit there silently while we write. But um, instead, what we're going to do is a little exercise while our listeners have a listen to uh, writers. I'm from getting very anxious right now. <laughs> we're going to play a package. And during that package, Courtney and I are going to do this exercise okay, called five minutes of pure description so the idea is to take an object or a picture time yourself for five minutes and force yourself to write only descriptors okay Okay. don't imbue it with meaning don't create a narrative just describe it as richly and as detailed as possible um so i have two postcards here which i have not seen Ooh, yeah um skinny (laughs) picked these out for us and skinny is her partner by the way (laughs) (laughs) for those Um, of you listening so yeah he picked out two that he thought would be good for us so i haven't seen them i'm gonna turn them over right now and let's see oh you get to have that one oh i'll take that one okay (laughs) you even get to pick she's forcing (laughs) this upon me and i don't get to pick so courtney tell tell the tell our listeners very briefly what the pictures are of okay so rachel's postcard is um two men and a woman's uh, shoes, feet, legs standing on the the bottom bar rail at a bar and you just see up to about their hips and it's in black and white. Okay, and yours? 
And mine is a, um, oh man, I know this artist and why am I blinking? Oh, goodness. Is it Rivera? No. Yeah. I'm the looking. artist doesn't matter. Just tell them what it is, <laughs> what it looks like. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. What's that? There's a woman at her desk. There's there's a lot of people. She's she's already trying to write in her I head. I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the, it looks like um, several people, uh, several like little scenes, mm-hmm. um, uh, little vignettes. One with a girl with a head on her desk, like she's asleep in class, and then another with a guy with his head in his hands, and then a guy behind him with his head with his head back and his hand over his his forehead, like he's distressed woman in the back with a baby and then a woman all the way to the right looks like she fell asleep waiting for the bus okay great so that's courtney's and mine is of feet and <laughs> uh which is ironic because james hates feet but anyway um okay so we are going to do this while you listeners listen to um some of our writers from our reading series read works that were inspired by books absolutely which awesome. is what we talked about in the previous yeah so let's do it all right Um, I have two poems, I think, I'll read that I wrote. Um, The first poem is called Shakespeare Sonnet Number 18. (laughs) Should I call you pretty like a June breeze, like even better? It's raining on my flowers, and summer doesn't warm me up fuzzy. My queer tarot porn cards tell too much truth shining from a golden armpit. And it's fair, 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 unfair looking luck or which god's godly indulged fate. But you're a wet hat party of fun, chills that language tells me I must own to enjoy. Every trauma of bitter drink cuts away. So long, lovely, so long, tender face. I wish and wish and wish and... And this is called Shakespeare Sonnet Number Three. (laughs) Look into your own face's face. Say, it's time to make the hanky-panky. Your fresh blood and genes either live on or the world unlights. Find a test tube womb maternal who rejects flesh such as flesh into unblemished. What body gets so wet that death echoes itself into pooled gloop? Parents drain and shimmer into children like you remind the world that girls were pretty. So now all your life in today's faces eyes shimmer underneath the shines of dust yawning. Walk the walk, thisness, history's wobbly spreadsheets. You're gone forever if you don't. Thank you. So you're thinking of moving to Wonderland. Do not smell the roses here unless you mean to fill your nostrils with red paint. It will help to know before you arrive your exact height, 
write it down. Many find croquet to be a pleasant pastime so long as you reserve a newer set of hedgehogs. The older ones tend to be arthritic, you see, understandable after years of beak and lawn. Do not refer them to your chiropractor. It is paramount to maintain the illusion, whatever the cost. Top magazines in Wonderland do not advertise ointments to fade stretch marks caused by the rapid reduction and expansion of the body from the place's tasting menu, just as pharmacies do not offer medication for rabbit hole vertigo, only tea and treacle. Never cut the grass. It will yell and likely bleed and certainly press charges. It isn't worth that kind of mess. Besides, there is no hospital here, nor curbside pickup service for one's trash. Wonderland is just that, all wonder per the Queen's decree, designed for everything but practical. You will not witness the locals standing in line to buy watch batteries or paint, though surely they must. You will not know where the cook found so much pepper. You will not see the public bus that shuttles the Tweedles home to their 12-story tenement after dark, where Dean microwaves a freezer-burnt tray of chicken, John flips on the television, and they watch Mork and Mindy reruns until they fall into a restless and ordinary sleep. Uh, this is called The Odyssey 2. After the joy, there are questions why he alone returned, the trial for his slaughter of servants and suitors who, after twenty years, were the basis of the island's economy. With their deaths, the butchers and bakers go hungry and glare at the unshaven king, who strides the streets nightly, wailing Ithaca, Ithaca, waking the children and frightening the hounds. He thinks of visiting the Cyclops, of writing the sorceress. He thinks the gods kept him lost for pity, pity for the little man who now tosses in his creaking bed, and dreams his little dreams of sailing back to the horse's dark belly, to huddled swordsmen and the smell of pitch, the blind prophet not yet weeping, the torches not yet touching, the great city not yet burned. And what is Penelope beside the idea of Penelope, for whom he longs beside the sea, watching the rise and dip of distant masts? Oh, gods, may we find a way to go. That was Sam Mahoney reading Shakespeare's Sonnet Number 18 and Shakespeare's Sonnet Number 3. Jennifer Clements reading So You're Thinking of Moving to Wonderland. And J.G. McClure reading The Odyssey 2. Delightful. Never underestimate the power of reading to generate writing. And speaking of generating writing, <laughs> Courtney and I were busy, busy, busy during that little package, uh, writing our pure descriptions of our little postcards. Courtney? It's true. Are you ready to read what you came up with? I guess. I mean, I don't know what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beauty. Right. Okay. Are you making me go first? You want me to go first? I can go first. I don't care. What do you want? I made you do this. I sprung this on you, so do what you like. Let me get it over with. Okay. All right. There's a woman in a green slip dress slumped over her desk, two braids trailing down her neck. A double-shaded lamp floats beside her. Her legs are tucked beneath the bench she, sh she, <laughs> she sits on, tiny black flats on her feet. Uh, through her window on the other side of a brick wall, two men are in distress. One kneels on the ground, a muscular head, nope, head buried in the hand <laughs> of a muscular arm. Forgot to scratch that out. <laughs> Beside him, his fellow in a workman's smock, arches in despair, the back of his arm stretched to cover the eyes on his thrown-back head. 
that's what I got. I love it. First of all, I love that your voice still came through. That was, I, I'm very familiar with Courtney's writing, and that was just right on par with Courtney's voice and all her writing. So I love that it came through. Okay, so here's mine. <clears throat> Hooked over the rolled silver pole, six heels hang toward the li- the litter speckled floor. That means work. <laughs> <laughs> toward the litter speckled floor, slick with dirt and grease, polished by a thousand steps. Cigarette butts Ooh, lie like I confetti. Like that. <laughs> Cigarette butts lie like confetti underfoot. Their heels float suspended over the debris, just half a foot above the muck. Their polished shoes and crisp pant legs and pure white stockings untouched by the city. Hmm. How do you know they're untouched by the city? I thought this was pure despair. You said despair. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was thinking, <laughs> I was stressing over that. It's so hard not to. Well, you really can't. Assume. You just yeah. can't. That was beautiful, not though. Oh, oh. Um, yeah, you can't, like, not in Create a story. Yeah, but that's good. Yeah. That's the idea is that you can start with something so like low pressure right. like that I'm just gonna describe something and boom it it like wants a life of its own it's begging you to create life that was really cool I did like that a lot okay <laughs> uh, okay well you know next time you're stuck in a rut that's an exercise you can, it's yeah. just one exercise you can do of many pick up a postcard um <laughs> Next on the show, we're going to be joined by a couple of our local writers who are going to tell us how they stay inspired. Let's gather. <laughs> gather. Gather, please. Um, we can gather in. Gather around, gather around for the second half. And we're going to get started. We're going to get started. We'll get started. We've been discussing good writing habits and finding inspiration, and now we're joined by one of our most versatile Interloop veterans, Leah Mehta. Welcome, Leah. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Yeah, thanks we're for excited. being here. Uh, Leah has read with the Interloop many times in fiction, nonfiction, and poetry, and it seems like she always has new material. So, can you tell us your secret? Um, I think that I am inspired by lots of different things, um, and I think that when I hit kind of a wall when I'm writing. Um, I can move to another genre and that kind of keeps me writing Mm -hmm. um, maybe and that helps Mm. so writing in different genres helps you keep the inspiration going I think so yeah so if you're stuck with like nonfiction you'll be like let me just write a poem yes you can relate to that yeah I I agree I often do it the 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 opposite way like I'll try to I'll start a poem to get me into the flow of something because that kind of like pulls out the the bare elements I I think I'm similar probably um I brought a poem today that I wrote um I wanted to write this poem for the longest time and then I had a day when I just didn't know what to do with my book that I've been working on for 
for about six years. It's oh, wow. fiction. Mm-hmm. And so I went to a coffee shop and I sat down and got a cup of coffee and I said, I'm going to write this poem finally. It's been 10 years of thinking about <laughs> writing it. I'll just write this poem. Okay, now you have to, you have to <laughs> read it for us. <laughs> and so I just read, I wrote it in, you know, in, a, in the course of, um, of just that, those few hours. Couple, yeah. Wow. And it went through a couple of different um, edits had someone else look at it but it you know that was it um i need some help with this because i have a really hard time like writing when i'm working on a big project which is not very often it's one it's one project that i've been working on for my whole life but um i find it really hard to ever write anything else because i feel obligated to if i'm going to sit down and write if i'm going to take the time to write i feel obligated to dedicate that time toward the big project and like the idea of writing something like more frivolous or of a different genre or experiment with this thing or that thing it just feels like wasted time and I have to focus I have to finish this so how do you overcome that Im- or do you have the impulse and, and very how much so I think it? that yeah. that is uh, you know how do you divide your time between your different projects Absolutely. on some level you finished but there's always more work to do And so it's um, (laughs) this is ever the problem. And the other thing is, how do you how do you divide the time up between projects? Also, in between everything else that's going on in your life, you know, you're a mother. You you have you have various communities that you're very active and involved in. You're constantly connecting us with incredible people. (laughs) So that in itself is 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 a job to to keep and maintain relationships. How do you? How do you find the time to be as prolific as you are? Um, you kind of fight for your time. You sit down every day, um, except in the summer, which is why I think your show is so relevant because the summer kind of gives you, mm-hmm. knocks you out. Mm-hmm. You can't really do the things you normally do unless you hire help mm-hmm. um, to do it or send the kids to grandma's. But you also <laughs> need a break as well. so. Um, it's really, really difficult, but you kind of have to um, know that if you don't do it, if you don't fulfill that intention or that desire, that you pretty much will die. And so... <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> so um, I think th- at, at some point you realize that there's this inner death mm-hmm. or this sense, mm-hmm. you know, so you make a choice that mm-hmm. you, you, you don't want to feel that way. Yeah, I totally um, connect to that right now, especially. I only just got to the point where I'm like, wait a second, where is my writing? Where is mm-hmm. it? Like, I miss it. And and on this deep level where I feel like I'm dying <laughs> on the inside right. without this, without my passion, without this, this thing that I, mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm just drawn to right. over and over again and and then when you have uh, when you go through a pregnancy if it's um if it's relatively even if it's relatively an easy pregnancy and you and people have you know illnesses and other things everyone has something they go through but um it's there's this sense that your brain becomes almost um compromised mm. you know you lose mm-hmm. they say that the, a woman's brain shrinks a third mm-hmm. during the course during of pregnancy, pregnancy. Okay. so you have to almost <laughs> reclaim <laughs> <laughs> the discipline to write to read the yeah. russian novels yeah and it's best to go back to anna karenina because <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't require as much 
<laughs> discipline is war and peace or <laughs> you know you think so I would recommend that first go back to a Get really really <laughs> miserable find out that your life is not that not bad so good, right? <laughs> oh my god so um, tell what is your writing habit do you have like I'm so curious tell me uh, do you write um, in the morning well, um, for lack of a better time, yes. Um, yeah. Usually, uh, first thing in the morning after lunches and breakfasts have been taken care of and the children are at school or, you know, mm-hmm. they're not. Um, but yes, in the morning. And um, I would prefer to work later into the day. I get uh, my most creative times actually in the afternoon and mm. the evening. Mm-hmm. But that's when my children come home. Mm-hmm. And I'm also working. I do paid work as well. So I kind of have to juggle it. But I find um, for me, it's been really easy because the work has led me each time. And I think with these longer projects, I've never wondered what will be next because mm. the next one comes along mm. as I'm finishing up. Wow. And so... The, the writing drives me so I really want mm. to sit down and work um, it's it's a it's a nice feeling not everyone has that and maybe when I'm older I won't have that but um, so that's interesting though it seems like it's it's like a, a goal orienting so even if it may for you the goal is to be driven toward the next thing that you're going to write but for some listeners who maybe that's not the case you can still take from that okay, let me orient myself toward a goal as in if I get this written then. Yes, and there have been periods when I haven't had the compulsion to write or it's been a very difficult, I'm writing about a trauma, say, mm-hmm. um, sure. even from a from a character's perspective in fiction. And that's, um, and that's when I hit a wall. And some of the things that you were talking about, um, reading things that inspire me, not read anything that doesn't, um, mm. you know, feed into the project. You can't read widely, mm-hmm. I think. Mm. I mean, I don't. I, I prefer to stay pretty narrow. I will read some essays, but I won't. I'll reread a lot of the things that I've, I feel like inspire me to write you better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then doing um, word exercises where you have aims, you know, 2,000 word mm, goals sure. for a day different goals just whenever you're feeling like you're not able to get there mm-hmm. um, then you just set some goals and I think um, f- at each period in the writing process you will have different goals that you set and a lot of the time this is not something you accomplish on your own you need someone else to be involved in your process and mm-hmm. in my case I have a friend who's very involved in my process and keeps the goals going Mm -hmm. so I always have these check-ins and it's just happened that he has been there to do that but I you know I think that each of us has you can have anybody who does that someone you're close enough with who knows how much the writing matters Mm -hmm. who can say to you have you finished have you got there have you put your your goals down and even if it's every six months Mm -hmm. to have that it's it's almost like a a check um because otherwise you can let it go and it can go forever and you have to finish something yeah you know you have i think for a lot of writers um they're trying to finish a body of work and when it's so spread out across genres you may not be able to always achieve that body of work so i think the idea that you have to finish is very propulsive Mm -hmm. um finish something and so you have to always go back to whatever it was and for the longest time i felt like 
coming out every day at the end of the day, say at three or four or five o'clock in the afternoon from the writing was the hardest process mm. to come out and then to go back mm -hmm. in the next day. And just that, the emotional energy it took out of me mm. for years of doing that um, was, I think, the hardest thing I've ever done. Because you have the discipline to sit down and do it, but then you have to come back out into the real world <laughs> and be a, you know, Function. a kind, yeah. functioning person <laughs> who you <laughs> totally. can't possibly be perfectly that way. Yeah. And the community helps with that mm -hmm. too, sort mm -hmm. of. Um, but once you have the discipline of forcing yourself back in for many years at a time and you do it for, you know, 10 years or 12 years or whatever from mm. a youngish age, then you... I think realize that one day you're going to sit down and it's not going to be as hard as it was. Mm. Is that true? And yeah. I think the brain is that way. <laughs> that is the interesting thing about the brain. There's yeah. this, these periods um, of great difficulty and I think it's like with any sport or anything, yes, you're building absolutely. up stamina for that process. And at some point, um, the brain learns that stamina, that which is um, an, a magnificent feeling it takes many years for me, it took many years for me to get there. And I was terrified that I would never, I didn't know I was going to get there. I always mm. thought it would be this terrible struggle. But then it, one day I, I <laughs> came back after Christmas break. I had to take a week off and I thought I'll never be able to do this again. Hmm. It was a couple of years ago and it was the easiest thing ever. And I thought, oh my God, that's music to my You ears. mean that can happen? Okay, Leah, I think you owe us a poem. Yeah, please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the Women at the Peace Memorial, Hiroshima. This was not about you. This was not about me. We were the picture book couple only to them. They believed white men had dropped bombs on their faces, yet they wanted to embrace you, make sure they would be the last ones to feel the searing heat of an atom bomb. Is it horrible to think that they could not conceive that such love could be theirs? The first woman saw you so handsome with your long blonde hair behind which your blue eyes laughed. She asked if you were American and you said no English, which eased the tension just a little bit. She saw me in love with you and assumed we could all hold hands together and pray for peace. So we stood in a manicured park under phoenix trees and held hands for the first time. I have a confession to make. I have never been taught how to pray, especially in public. It frightened me to touch this strange woman, her long face reorganized by burns carried for half a century, her forehead where her eyes should be. Suppose she could enter my mind and leave shards of memories in there that I could step on and cut myself with. But you squeezed my hand tight even after we had walked away and whispered to me that my mind had the power to keep itself safe from wandering spirits. It was entirely up to me. You are a pilgrim always in search of God. They could leave you out in a desert without your shoes and you would walk a hundred days if you had a church at the end of the road. I had walked with you for hours through floors of death and war, but after this peace mem museum I knew I had never been tested. I do not know what I would do in a desert. You cannot assume anything of yourself unless you have experienced fire. 
This woman, Setsuko, was six years old in 1945. She was on her way to school balancing on the back of a silver bicycle with a red bell that her mother was riding when the Enola Gay flew over Mount Hiji. The other woman stopped us unexpectedly in the middle of a crosswalk. She was as tiny as a sparrow with a round doe face. You are so happy, she said. You are married. I bless you. Then she hugged us both. And I felt in her all the love which she had saved for her mother, her father, her husband and her baby, all dead in one day. What is this place where you can resurrect yourself after you have been completely ruined? Neither woman knew how much we needed them so we could pretend just for a moment that we were this glorious thing. In truth, how unrequited our love was, yet how big they conceived it to be. No one should keep such love unspoken, for it will drive you mad. Only by giving it away will you be safe again. Thank you. I'm I'm speechless. I can't. So just look now. So that is a Le Pain (laughs) Quotidien. Go get yourself a chai. (laughs) So this is what I do to get myself ready again. I I aspire to be like Leah. I know. Me too. (laughs) I know. Me too. That's that's why I asked you to be on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. That's the sweetest thing to say. (laughs) It's not sweet. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It's just true. We love you. Thanks for being on the show. Love you too. Thank you. Stay tuned for more insight on good writing habits and we'll be joined by another local writer. show on good writing habits and we're joined now by Ellen Roche new to the inner loop community welcome Ellen yay thanks for having me yeah we're excited um so Ellen is working on a project for which she's writing a sonnet every single day (laughs) this year um wow uh so I know you must have some insight on good writing habits for us Uh, Why don't you tell us about your project first and and then we can get there? (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. As you say that, I feel the terror because I haven't written my (laughs) sonnet yet today. (laughs) I'm like, oh, God, I am doing that, aren't I? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I listened to last week's podcast and this project started as kind of a travel um, project. Last year, I went to Europe for the first time. I'm terrified of flying. I took a boat there, and it was like this huge adventure. And congratulations! Wow. I know, right? It was like, yeah, a big milestone in my in my life. Um, and I kind of wanted to journal or document it somehow and share with people at home. And I thought I will write a sonnet every day, and that went reasonably well. And so I thought, okay, I'll do it this year. And the problem is, of course, the daily life in DC <laughs> is really, really boring. So now I'm like, okay, what did I do today? I I had coffee. I worked I saw some flowers on the street so yeah the inspiration piece has been the the harder thing but and why did you choose a sonnet 
Yeah, I've always loved sonnets. Um, but before I went to Europe, I had probably only written 10 of them. Mm -hmm. And they really intimidated me. And I thought, like, this is enough. It's a little bit more than a haiku, but still short, manageable. Mm -hmm and to try to push myself into writing more of them. And it gives you that structure right? so that there's a little bit of like, you know, the, I don't know, like a scaffolding to the intense amount of content you're producing. Totally. Yeah, that was a big part of choosing a form every day because I couldn't overthink it. Um, I had to just like basically fill in the structure. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and not it's not quite like paint by numbers but there is a part of that where it's just like okay make yourself write 14 lines right. like just get it done because you said you would do this so <laughs> yeah that's actually a really a really good idea the rules thing is super helpful to kind of if you again we were talking about practicing and just like exercising those muscles it mm -hmm. yeah that's that's a good idea yeah. <laughs> I do some sometimes I do like the Courtney's found gonna poem. steal it. Yeah. No, please do. I do like the found poem thing because mm -hmm. similarly I'm like I, I'm working with certain constraints mm -hmm. so it's helpful. Yep. Totally. Sometimes you just need like a uh, constraint to you just need to have some somewhere to start because you're just floating over the ether and you're like, where do I begin? <laughs> Which is why like the little exercise about description, it just sort of like grounds you and sometimes like rules like that um, where you give yourself a structure is grounding. So what does, what does this process look like for mm -hmm. you on a daily basis? It looks like, oh God, I have to write a sonnet today. <laughs> Seriously. And when I got like to the six month mark, I was like, okay, I have to keep going for the rest of the yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, you know? like you made it that wow. far. Yeah. So every day it's like, it's not entirely true. Sometimes it's really fun to do it, but most days it's like, oh God, I have to do this thing. Um, I tend to write best in the morning or late at night. And I'm trying to write each sonnet about that actual day. So <laughs> nighttime tends to be better. And it's often the last thing I do before I go to bed. And I, you know, I'm like sort of desperately just trying to get it done before I go to sleep. I find that like almost falling asleep space in my mm. head to be kind of fruitful, I think. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. How many are about brushing your teeth, Any? <laughs> I mean, there's coffee in so many of them. Those are the ones I write in the morning. Yeah. But um, a lot of them are sort of like half inspired by dreams maybe oh, yeah, so. yeah so what are what is you know what are the most interesting ones that have come out of this none of them feel all that interesting to me you know and so I part of the accountability piece too I said this out loud at the beginning of the year and I'm in a Facebook group with a few other people who are oh, like okay. trying to write on a regular schedule um, some people doing haiku, others doing like one poem a week or one every mm -hmm. month, whatever works for them. Um, and the kind of likes on Facebook, as silly as that is, give me a little bit of a sense totally. of like, well, this one is boring and this one might have something that's like a good first draft to come back to. So, so yeah, they're a bit of a wash. There are like 200 of them now of this year. Um, and I look back and like the moments where I had something interesting going on, they're usually a little bit more interesting. Like I had surgery. And so there's like some stuff about surgery. To me, that feels more interesting than like <laughs> I walked down the street and I looked at the flowers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really interesting way to chronicle too, though. You know, like we, there's this weird on one hand flood of information where like if you've looked at someone's social media account you could be like blah all this stuff but also a lack in substantive mm -hmm. like the day-to-day -day. like I don't think and maybe I'm wrong but I don't think as many people journal as perhaps used to and certainly mm -hmm. letter writing and the things that used to give us mm -hmm. this information mm -hmm. um 
So it has a certain utility to it. That's really cool to me. <laughs> I want to hear one after all yeah. this talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I brought a couple from the Europe trip. And those, of course, feel more interesting to me because they're like about stuff I've never seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I brought a couple from like the past few weeks. Great. So, yeah. All right. So this is from... Um, I just date them, um, and I'll give you a teeny bit of context for them. This is from August 16th of last year, and this is when I was on the boat crossing the Atlantic. Um, The Little Dipper hung above the moon, the way our ancestors hang over us, fat-aproned, mutton-cheeked, a glittering rune of brogue-unleashing demon-quired tongues. Mm -hmm. Tonight, for the first time, diamonds make sense to me. They are our consolation prize. They are the guiders of our great unrest and the approximations of our eyes. The ire of my grandmothers was smoothed by rolling green backyards and taxi cabs. They cheeked their sorrows into pockets, soothed by graduation gowns and granite slabs. They sunk their eyes into their loving sons and daughters. Aren't we the lucky ones? Love it. Yeah. Yeah, it just forces you to, like, fill in the lines, you know? <laughs> Um, yeah, but you didn't just fill in the yeah, lines no. there. That was, I mean, that was like, give yourself a little more credit, yeah. lady. <laughs> no, well, so I'm like a huge fan of people doing this because I actually yeah. think it's a lot easier than it looks. Like sonnets are very intimidating to me, yet somehow I'm like cranking one out, you know, a day. Um, so yeah, do it. Do it. Join, okay. join the Facebook group. The um, let me see. Okay, so this is at the Tower of London on September 3rd, 2017. Um, I speak my father's eulogy aloud when I'm alone and when the streets are dark, when I've encountered something he'd be proud to have encountered with me. For a lark he limericked, put on an upper crust, or sang three little maids from school in high falsetto, unapologetic. Must the dead so often go before they die back to the dream-dark memories of womb? Today, I taunted tower walls to lie in state, the fourth queen in the altar tomb. My dad would have made headless jokes, then cry in the same breath, moved by the scratch of words into an ancient window's hatch. Wow, I feel like I just got like a little glimpse of your dad. Yeah! Like like this very interesting character. He definitely was an interesting character. (laughs) Yeah, and another thing that I find about the form, you know, I'm like in London and I'm like, Mm -hmm. just got to get this sonnet written. And then the rhyme kind of forces you into new territory. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, somehow my dad's in the poem. And (laughs) yeah, Um, so I'll read you guys just one from like uh, the last couple months. So... I don't write very much that's political, but the day that Trump nominated Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court, so this one's very topical, um, I wrote wrote this one just on that day and somehow kind of that got into the poem. This was on uh, July 9th. The crepe myrtles are cheerleading the streets while lilies dire bloom within their shade and their green spangled winded beats of sun. The city has become a glade of gladness, even as the sky, a crown of scorn, falls to its knees. We are supreme in our dark powers, lips poised at the horn of the country, old oracle of dream for the rest of the slack world. Tonight calls a band of witches, shadows flowering, out from between the columns of their halls into the streets, a shadow towering. Pillars unclimb, we are a government of fire tongues in the new firmament. These are so cool. <laughs> you guys are very nice. No, seriously, like join, you... the, join the club. 
I feel very lonely writing them by myself. So, so join, how join many, in. How many have you written so how far? How many days are there? I mean, this, at yeah, least 200, right, I guess. At least 200. Oh so you God. have 165 left. Yeah. And every day it's like, oh my God, what? I have to do that? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need to put them like into a book. Just Yeah. Just, you already have your yeah, book. Well, once you're done, your book is written. Yeah. You don't a even lot have of to them are truly very boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You keep saying that, and I, I feel like that's not true. Well, that's very nice. Yeah. No, it's uh, yeah, it's like journaling, and a few of them. Hopefully, at the end of the year, I'll have like ten that are good or something. You know. So. Well, you already have three that are. Good. Yeah. We oh, know that much. You're right. very kind. <laughs> yeah. It's really like I'm thinking about this. I feel like the 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 puzzle aspect of mm-hmm. it too, like gets your brain working creatively as it's happening. Totally. Yep. Yeah. And trying to th- and trying to think of the right words mm-hmm. and. Yeah. Fit them in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an evangelist for the sonnet specifically. So, <laughs> great, great. yeah, okay. do it. It's really fun. I like pantooms personally. <laughs> okay. So that's super hard. No, I was just trying to come up with some keywords to, to make Rachel angry. <laughs> I heard my piece popping. I was like, oh, yeah. It's horrible, right? Oh, yeah. We're, listeners, sorry. We're, um, Rachel, we're dorks. We're, we're, really being, we're being audio dorks and poem dorks, but. Um, yeah, I have a tendency, if you haven't heard, to, <laughs> <laughs> to pop keys. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, yeah. Ellen. And yeah. So great to have you in the loop and, and to hear these awesome sonnets. Yeah. I'm going to join your Facebook group. Yeah. What about you, Courtney? Oh, my God. Please, please do. God, see, that's such a commitment. <laughs> Stop it. Courtney can't decide. <laughs> You can just do it for one week, and then you can go and, you okay. know, just okay. a poem a day for a week. Just goal. jump in, like, at the halfway mark. With exactly. That. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, okay. please, please join. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much. Yay. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Of course. So all kinds of art can inspire us to write, uh, but one of my favorites is music. Stay tuned. sure books postcards they can inspire you to write but what about music ah music Courtney's an expert Uh, I wouldn't say I'm an expert um (laughs) Courtney's an expert no I I am not I do I I am very inspired by music and um it's been a big part of my life for a long time um I do I do I do write about music a lot (laughs) <laughs> I knew it, but, but that's kind of a job. Um, one of one of my many. Um, we all wish we could write as our jobs. It's true, and I am really lucky. Um, I often, as as much of you know, sometimes when I'm writing pieces about musicians or a, a review of a show or something like that, there's a formula to it, and it's a little. Although you could say there's a formula to most writing, um, I should say it has a distinct purpose. Um, what what I really love, aside from the music itself and the listening, um, I love talking to musicians mm. um, because they they um, they interpret the world in a unique way. And after having those conversations, you're like, oh, 
and that kind of inspires you to hmm. to, mm-hmm. to think about things differently also mm-hmm. um and on I the like other on, uh, at the same time you're like oh you're a human too like because <laughs> i will say i've been really lucky to interview some of my favorite yeah musicians who are famous um, isn't that interesting you experience someone's art and then you meet the person yes. and it's like there's a person behind this yes. like a human person exactly <laughs> and and in many cases for me it's totally not at all what i expected <laughs> um yeah so that that definitely does this is very apropos of the piece where i'm gonna play <laughs> great <laughs> um one of our readers at the inner loop um wrote a piece about uh one of his favorite right musicians that's right let's have a listen um i'm gonna read two really quick poems because i like to write poems about pop culture people so i wrote some poems about bjork not long ago <laughs> i'm just gonna read two of those real quick So this first one's called Violent Happy. I want to follow a baton twirler with blood red teeth who makes decisions unilateral, set to chin checking dance numbers in vaudevillian music boxes. I need my leader to feed me happiness in gold lame song or dresses made of swan. We all need mentors. I don't know what to think if idols don't tell me. And uh, this one's called Possibly Maybe, But Definitely. (laughs) Dissecting a television is better than any sandwich I've ever eaten. My elbow acne is a flare with sensory detail, magnetic pull on my spleen to determine north. Now I know poets lie, and I should never trust them. Can we have a show on our disassembled TVs where all we do is break electronic strangleholds and ask for quiet revolution. Thank you. I have to say I was so grateful for Michael's <laughs> poems because I have I have this really hard feels about Bjork. <laughs> Don't we all have really hard feels about Bjork? I think so, but he just like, mm, he like really hit it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that was Michael Taker reading Violent Happy and possibly maybe, but definitely (laughs) inspired by Bjork. None other. And that's our show. Join us next month for more writing inspiration. To find out more about us or submit to read at our next event, visit www.theinnerlooplit.com. And The Inner Loop would like to thank Andrew Logan for our theme music and James Skinner for technical support. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or any other streaming site you use. Your review could be what inspires the next person to tune in. Or for me and Courtney to get out of bed in the morning. Um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Just kidding, cry, just kidding. (laughs) Hashtag crying, not crying. (laughs) And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Happy writing. Right on, Litwitz.